be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 15 is our key verse. I'm actually going to read it out of the New Century Version and then follow up with verse 16 out of the New King. Vested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Heavenly Father, it is good to be in your house. Thank you for being with us. I pray as I speak on the outside, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, challenge us, change us, and motivate us to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray a special outpouring and anointing on this service right now through your Holy Spirit. And I do it in Jesus' name. Amen. I am writing these things to you so you'll know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God, the support and the foundation of the truth. This verse tells us that church is family. Okay, That's what church is. It's a family. Church is not an institution. It is not a religious club. It's not a society. It's not an organization. And it's definitely not a business. It's God's family. Church is God's family. You know, when you were born physically, you became a part of the human race. But you don't really become a part of a local family until somebody decides to take you home from the hospital. And thankfully they did. As you become a part of God's family of believers, you do that when you are born again, when you receive Jesus as your Savior. But you know what? It goes beyond that. You need to become a part of a local church congregation where you can give and where you can be given to. This verse says the family is the church of the living God. It is the support and the foundation of the truth. Now one thing that Paul meant by that is this. Our church is the foundation of the truth of the gospel. And that truth is built upon the church. We are to proclaim the truth of God, which is, in verse 16, this. God was manifested in the flesh, justified by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then received up into glory. That is the truth of the gospel. And that truth sits squarely on the shoulders of the church. But this verse also, you tell me, what happens to a building when it doesn't have support or a foundation? <laughs> you can't do that. Baseball is a team sport. <coughs> Excuse me. It would be like saying, I want to be a part of the United Solo gig as a tuba player. huh?" A tuba needs to be a part of something bigger than just the tuba. It needs to be a part of a band. And you know what? You too belong in God's family. You need to be a part of something that's bigger than you. There's a difference between attending a church service and belonging to a church family. God doesn't want church to be something you go to. He wants church to be a family that you are a part of. And if you haven't got the gist this morning, today I want to preach about the church and the importance of the church, specifically Kavanaugh Church, your church for life. Kavanaugh Church, your church for life. 
that, that's our new church theme. It's our new church motto. We're throwing it out to you today. That's who we are. We're Kavanaugh Church. Your church for life. Now, we didn't just dream that up this past week and have all this stuff printed in a week's time. This has been like a year going on. About a year ago, we started asking the question, really, who are we as a church? What's the DNA of our church? At a staff meeting, we started talking about this. I really started praying about it and thinking about it. This past summer, when Angie and I went to Florida for the national, for two weeks we talked about this. And finally, one day in South Florida, in the ocean, I was in the ocean floating. That's what fat men do in the ocean. They, they just kind of float. It came out of my mouth. Kavanaugh Church, your church for life. Well, I put it on the back burner. We kept thinking about it, kept praying about it. And you know what? It stuck. I think that really is who we are. Kavanaugh Church, your church for life. It's a church you can raise your kids in. This is a church you can bring your grandkids to. It's your church for life. Whether you're five years old and back in kids' church with Brother Johnny or a, a teenager going up, growing up with Brother Jason or you're a college student with Brother Dave or a prime timer with Brother Ray. It's Kavanaugh Church. Your church for life. When life is good, hey, we're your church. But when life is bad, we're still your church. It's your church for life. Now what I want to do for just a few minutes is talk to you about how Kavanaugh can be your church for life. This is what we are bringing to you. This is what we want to do for you as your church. Four things. Number one, my church helps me, Will Harmon, focus on God. You know, sometimes we lose focus. We lose focus on what's really important in life, don't we? Sometimes we focus on trivia. It's to help you do that because you need it. You need to refocus, reprioritize. And we do that when we come together and worship God. First and greatest commandment. Now why is this the greatest one? Why does God say above all other things we are to love Him first? Well, it's because this is what we're made for. God made us for this. God made you to love you, and He wants you to love Him back. Do you know God knows everything about you? The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. And He still loves you. He still cares about you. He still wants to have a relationship with you. The pur purpose of worship is to help you know and love God. You know, one of the side benefits of weekly worship is that nothing reduces a problem in perspective like refocusing on the greatness of God. Sometimes you're just overwhelmed by a problem. You come in here on Sunday morning, you sit down, you start worshiping God with a group of other people who are going through the same kinds of problems that you are, and all of a sudden a light comes on in your mind and you realize, you know, God is great. God is in control. God does have everything in the palm of His hand. And He's bigger than my problem. 
And all it took was for you to come in this place and refocus and see God on His throne and then see how small and trivial your problem really is and that He can handle it. You say, well, can't I worship God by myself? Well, of course you can. But you know what? That's not all of it. You need a church family because there is more power in corporate worship. Have you ever come to church when you didn't feel like coming to church, but after it was over with, you sure were glad that you came? I have found that when I don't feel like focusing on God, that's when I need to focus on God the most. And when I don't feel like singing and worshiping Him, that's when I need to open my mouth and do the best I can. The Bible says that God wants us to worship. And Kavanaugh Church provides that for you. Our commitment is to help you refocus on what's really important in life. And that's putting God number one. Number two, my church helps me face life's problems. Life is tough. And like, just like in first service, I'm not going to go on until I get at least five amens for that. Because it is, life is tough, man. You weren't made to face it on your own. God never meant for you to go through life trying to handle all of your problems by yourself. What has He done for us? Well, one of the things He's done for us, He's given us a family. He has given us a church family. He has made us members of His body. We call this the body of Christ. So listen to me. When life kicks you down, it's really important for you to get around some encouraging Christian people who will help lift you up. We call that fellowship. In fact, in the New Testament, they, they invented a word for it because a word didn't exist to describe it. It's the word koinonia. It's something you can only get in God's family. And it's something that only the church provides. It is this encouraging fellowship that lifts you up when life has kicked you down. Now guys, listen to me. There's, there's, there's two sides to this encouragement and this, this kind of fellowship. Everybody in this room needs to be lifted up. My lands, I've been looking at you for about 15 minutes. Some of you need to be lifted up more than others. Because this week, life has really kicked you down. You need, to be, you need to be encouraged. But you know what? The flip side of that is somebody's got to do the encouraging. And, and that's why we're here. We're here to encourage. Now, a good buddy of mine told me one time, he said, Will, uh, people are kind of like mosquitoes. All they want to do is suck the life out of you. And sometimes people are like that. I have a good judge friend who sometimes says that people stink on ice. And I'm not going to tell you who that judge friend is, but it, it's the truth. Sometimes they do. Sometimes church people, listen, sometimes good church people, all they want to do is just suck the life out of the, out of the church and out of everybody else. They, they are so down and they need so much encouraging that, that it takes about 50 to just lift them up and encourage them. You know what? That's okay when you need it. Because that's why we're here. But you, you don't need to forget, you also need to be giving that encouragement. You can't always be down. You can't always be negative. You can't always be nitpicking and finding problems. You need to be the encouraging one. So put a smile on your face and before you leave today, encourage somebody. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 10 and 11 says, Jesus died for us so that we can live together with Him. So encourage each other and give each other strength. We need it. The Christian life is not a solo act. There are no lone reins to encourage and strengthen one another. It's kind of like the old illustration of a campfire. How many of you like campfires? Wouldn't it be great to be out on camping with Brother Johnny right now? Brother Johnny makes some good stuff. when He he does cowboy cooking when he goes camping. And here you are at a campfire and you're telling stories and maybe you're roasting some wieners about to do the s'mores thing and man, you're just having a good time. And, and all of a sudden, one of the burning hot coals from atop this campfire rolls off and it's by itself. Now, when it was with the family of hot coals, it was burning and hot and it was on fire, but when it rolled off, it was all alone. And after a little bit, it lost that ember glow. It lost its fire. It lost its enthusiasm. Here's the point. If you don't get around other Christians on a regular basis, if you're not plugged into the family of faith and fellowship, then you know what? You will grow cold spiritually. And the fire and the enthusiasm is going to go out of your life. So you need to make sure you're still on the fire and staying hot with the rest of us, all right? I love 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, you should be like one big happy family. Now I'm reading that out of the Living Bible. That's not exactly the way it says it in King James, but I like Living Bible every once in a while. This is what it says. You should be like one big happy family. And not just like a big family. It says a happy family. Alright? Say happy. That's the way we are to be, like one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other, loving each other with tender hearts. I really think this is more important today than ever before because our society is fragmenting. There is no sense of community anymore anywhere. People, people just feel like they don't belong. Some of you live here in the River Valley and you don't have any family members anywhere in this area. You know, it used to be that three or four, maybe five generations all lived in the same town together. That's not the case today. Today, relatives are spread out all over the country. But the Bible says the church is to be an extended family. We are to be brothers and sisters to one another. Aunts and uncles to each other, obeying the law of Christ. Now, let me just throw in a warning before I go on. You're never going to find a perfect church. You'll never find a perfect church. If you do, by chance, find the perfect church, please don't join it. Because then it won't be perfect anymore. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Only God is perfect. There are really two sides of the coin to being a member of God's family, a local church family. We see this in Colossians 3.15. This is your responsibility and privilege as members of His body. It is a responsibility to be a member of a church, but it's also a great privilege. Those two words make the difference between just attending a church and really being plugged in and a member of the church. What, what's the difference? Well, it comes down to commitment. An attender is just a consumer, but a member is a contributor. An attender is just along for the ride, 
but a member is a part of the team contributing to that team. God says He doesn't want you just to show up and go to a church. He wants you to be involved in a church, to be a part of the family. Number three, my church helps me to fortify my faith. The word fortify means to strengthen or to reinforce or to develop. You need to have your faith fortified, refortified, and strengthened all the time. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And let me tell you, the devil is working overtime on you to see to it that you fall. So the church is here to help you clarify your values. The church is here to help support your faith and help you grow and mature as a believer. Hebrews 6.1 says, Let us go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. People ask me all the time, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? Well, part of God's will for your life is right here in this verse. God's will for your life as a Christian is to grow up and mature in your faith. God wants you to grow up and be spiritually strong. And you know what? A good church is going to help you do that. A good church will help you grow in your faith. Cavanaugh Church, your church for life. Your church for life. That means that through life, throughout your life, whether you're two years old and in we worship, or 40-something and in a Bible study, or 80 years old and a prime timer, we exist as a church to help you grow in your faith. At Kavanaugh, we not only want you to find the support that comes from belonging to God's family, but also the significance that comes from being more like Jesus Christ and the family of God. Can I tell you something? I worry about you. I don't worry in a bad way. Put it this way. I'm concerned about you. Because God has put me as your spiritual shepherd. I'm, I'm kind of like your sheepdog, all right? You're sheep, I'm the sheep dog. My, my job is not only to, to kind of corral you and keep you on path, but I want you to grow. I care about your spiritual maturity. I want you to be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. And that's kind of the theme of the motif of Kavanaugh Church. We want to train you. Win, train, sin. We want to train you in Christ-likeness. And if, you're, if you've been around a long, if you've been a Christian for 15 years and you're still immature in your faith, we have failed as a church. Now I understand there, there takes a, it comes down to a lot of initiative on your own. You've got to want to grow and you've got to put forth the effort. And if you're not reading your Bible and praying and studying every single day, it's really hard for us to jump kick that and help you grow. But part of our job as a church is to motivate spiritual growth. And I think our church does that. I know this church does that for me. Then number four, my church helps me fulfill my life's mission. Did you know that you're not here by accident? God did not put you on planet earth just to take up space, to get a job, to make money, to retire, and then die. 
He didn't put you on earth just to use up all the resources that He's given. God's got something bigger for you. God has a life mission for you. God has a ministry in which He wants you to have and to use as an impact in this world for Him. The fourth purpose of the church is to help you discover that mission. When you discover God's will for your life and that mission, I mean, it's like a light going on in your head and say, this is it. This is why I'm here. This is what I was made for. And all of a sudden, life seems to make sense to you. There is meaning and significance and satisfaction in your life. Until you find that niche, life just doesn't seem to fit. And a good church is here to help you fulfill that mission. Part of that mission is called the Great Commission. It means that we are to share with other people the good news about Jesus Christ. It's not all of your life mission, but let me tell you, it's a big part of it. Acts 20.24 says, Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others about the good news of God's kindness and love. Really, there is no greater accomplishment in life than to introduce someone else to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine getting to heaven someday and have somebody come up and say to you, you know, because of you, I'm here. Because of you, I'm in heaven today. Thank you. Now you tell me, what could be more significant than that? And we're here to help you do that. I've just listed for you four benefits of having a church for life. You see, Kavanaugh Church helps me to focus on God. It helps fortify my faith. This church helps me face life's difficult problems. And this church helps me to fulfill my life's mission. Really, if, if you don't become a part of a local church family, where else are you going to get those benefits? The church offers something that you can't get anywhere else in the world. Now, let me just stop and tell you this. There are some really awesome churches in the River Valley. There are some great churches in Fort Smith and surrounding areas, pastored by, by great men of God that I've known for years. And I'm here to tell you, we are not in competition with any of them. I want every church to grow. I mean, if, if we're on the same team by preaching Jesus Christ, I want other churches to grow. But I want our church to grow too. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to pray and ask God, Lord, is this the kind of church that I can spend the rest of my life in? And if God says Kavanaugh's that place, then I'm simply asking you obey God and become a part of this great fellowship. If this is not the place, you need to keep asking God and praying and looking around and find the place that God wants you and then get plugged in. I almost pulled a big leather chair out today and sat in the chair with a fireplace beside me and just kind of talked to you. Because I think it's important sometimes that we just talk. I, I really don't know where we as Americans have come up with this strange 
ideal that, that church is something that we can get into and get out of like putting on a t-shirt every day. Because that's not the church that I read about in the Bible. It's not the church that Jesus Christ died for. Church is important to God. And, 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 and honestly, people, we, we need to stop having a flippant attitude toward the bride of Jesus Christ. This is special. God's church is special. And I think this is a pretty special place. Kavanaugh Church. Your church for life. I've just shared with you what the church is here to do for you. And as long as I'm the pastor, I can guarantee you we're going to work overtime to make sure, sure that this is the best church it could possibly be. I, I will say we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We don't always do everything right. But I can tell you this, everyone who works at this place loves Jesus, and we're doing our best to serve you. We're going to there's the flip side of it. If this is going to be your church for life, you've got to make it open. You see what we are. And I think I've presented the truth to you today. This is who we are. But for this to be your church, I would put church membership up there with the big three. I think there are three decisions that we make in life, three commitments that we make that are more important than any other commitment or decision we make. And the first is, what am I going to do with Jesus? You, could, you make a commitment to serve Jesus. Let me tell you, it's lock, stock, and barrel. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Jesus doesn't want you sitting on the fence. You serve him with all of your heart or you don't serve him. And again, every week we come back to refocus on that because Jesus must be number one in your life. Okay? That is the most important commitment that we make, putting Jesus number one. The second most important decision we make in life is family, okay? Marriage, kids. About 31 years ago, I, I made a decision to, to make this lady in black my beloved wife. Uh, her, her dear, precious mother, who's with us today, thank you for being here, Miss Peggy. I don't think she was too happy about that whole decision. But you know what? 31 years ago is a long time, and, and we're okay, aren't we, Peggy? We're okay today. I'm so happy that we're okay. But I made a decision that I was marrying Angie Archer, that she was the love of my life. I was going to be committed to her. I was going to be faithful to her. And I was going to stay with her till death do you or we or I part. That was an important decision. 31 years, a long time. Easy. Jason, ups and downs. But it's the commitment that kept us together. We made a decision to have three kids. I love my kids. And I want to do everything I can to see that my kids are successful in life and they have everything they need to live for Jesus and do what they're called to do. I made that commitment. I'm sticking by it. Do you know that God established the church before He did the family? He thinks a lot of His church. So we need to give thought to where we're going to spend our Christian life. And when we make that commitment, we sink some roots really deep. And it does become our church for life. In good times and bad times. 
happy times and sad times. No matter who the preacher is. I, I could go off on that religion. It's not about preachers. It's about Jesus and His church. And we sink some reeds in there. We stay committed. I've had the privilege of being here almost 17 years. It's been a good ride. And I hope it lasts a lot longer. You know, I look back on it and all I really see are positive things. However, there were a couple of bumps in the road, especially early on. It's hard to follow a pastor who's been at the same church for 28 years. And I say that with all respect due to Brother Carl because he was my pastor when I was a kid and I love him. But it's just hard to follow a guy who's been in the same pulpit 28 years. Okay, can I tell you that? And so when I came here and after a few months the enthusiasm of this new guy wore off, it got a little rough. About that same time, another church opened across town and we started losing families. If you were here at that time, you may have been called and asked to go help start the new church. And I don't suppose there were just a whole lot of people leaving, but there were people leaving. Enough to catch my attention. There were a whole lot of nights that I just didn't sleep very well. Because I had in the back of my mind, what if, what if I came to this great church and all of a sudden under my leadership, it unravels like a cheap sweater. Everybody I was concerned. At the time, Bob Butler was uh, our board chairman. Bob has been around the church about as long as Kavanaugh has been here. He was chairman of our church board for about 35 years. And uh, on a Sunday night in my office, which was right over here at the time, Bob and I were talking about what was going on. I said, Bob, I just don't know how many people are going to leave. I don't know how many families we're going to lose. And he said, preach. It may come down to just you and me. Now that was not very encouraging. And I think there was just a little sense of humor in Bob's voice. But there was a serious tone as well. He said, preach, it may come down to just you and me. And of course, by that he meant there may be a mass exit and everybody may leave. He said, preach, it may come down to just you and me. But I'm not going anywhere. Because this is my church. That's what I needed to hear. I know for Bob and Joanne that uh, their time at Kavanaugh, all those years they spent here, wasn't all just rosy and peachy and great. They had their difficult times. But you know what? They sunk some deep roots here. It was Bob's church. I told you something. My church. This is my church for life. 
you know what, even if you ran me off, you probably couldn't get rid of my family. It's our church. And I love my church. Do I ever get aggravated or frustrated or mad? Yes. 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 Do I always like everything that happens here? No. But it's bigger than me. It's my church. It's my church for life. Is it yours? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts right now as only you can. And if there's someone here today, Lord, that has never been saved, I pray that today they would come and receive Christ as their Savior. If there is a 